welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today my guest is Drexel Hurd. He's a political analyst, and he's the executive director for L.A. Democrats. He has a resume that goes on for miles and miles and miles, and so we had a wonderful conversation just about what's going on, and I think you're going to like it. But before we get into that conversation... I just want to remind everybody that the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners. It's woman run. Hi, I'm the woman. And I don't use corporate backers and I don't have advertisers. At least I don't for now. It's patrons like you who keep the show going. I want to be really quick here and say that my intros are going to be as short as I can possibly make them because which I, I, I'm doing my outros, which is the Kimberly's after party now. That's where you're going to hear all my personal stuff. Any stuff I might have said uh, before and after the show is going to be a patrons-only show from now on. So if you enjoy today's show, please take a look at the About page on patreon.com slash startmeup. You can see the different guests I've had. Most of them are political. Some of them are actors. But there's usually some kind of social issue that we're talking about. If you like the show, please consider becoming a patron. You can sign up for like two bucks a month. And if you decide that you want to upgrade later, you're free to do that. So here's, here's how it goes. I do two free shows every week on Monday and Wednesday. And then I do two patrons-only shows every month. Those are usually with my guest, uh, I should say my guest, <laughs> my friend and my co-host, Steph Walton, who's also occasionally on the free show. So Steph and I will do it. Sometimes I'll do it with David Ferguson, T-Rex from the Bob Seska show. Sometimes I do solo shows. But then I also, in the, it's a $5 tier, and I'll explain that in a minute, the, for patrons only who pay $5, you get both of the patrons only shows that I do twice a month, plus you get the Kimberly's After Party, which I don't know that I'm going to have another name for. You'll have Kimberly's After Party, which is after the free show, I go on and do my own little thing for, I don't know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. I talk about whatever I feel like talking about, whether it's politics. Today I did a little bit of politics. I also talked a little about personal. So you got a good mix of both. But that's in the $5 tier. So if you sign up for, let's say, 2 bucks a month, if you sign up for $4 or less, better put that way, you get the free shows delivered to your mailbox and you get one patrons-only show with Stephanie or whoever my guest is every single month. If you sign up for $5 or more, you get both patrons-only shows and you get all the Kimberly's after parties with the free shows. So that's totally a bonanza and you should try that. <laughs> Again, you just go to patreon.com slash start me up and you can see all of the tiers that I've created. You don't have to stick to a tier. I have a, I think I have a dollar tier and a $2 tier and a $5 tier and a $10 tier and a $40. You can make whatever tier, like you could go to the $5 tier and turn it into a $50 tier. You could turn it into $7.97. You can make it whatever you want. So the other thing that you can do is you can go make a one-time donation. I always include my email address in the description of the show on Patreon, and you just use my email with email address with PayPal. Also, uh, and I want to say that again, patreon.com slash startmeup. You can find all this information. You can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Please just stop by and you see the Start Me Up and you sign, uh, you can just become a subscriber. It's free. And then you can give me a rating, which is also free, and a review. Reviews are so, 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 so important for podcasters and authors, which I'm an author, by the way. 
So it's so important that you give reviews. You don't have to give long ones just to say, hey, everybody, this is a great show. I love it. Whatever you feel like doing, if you do love the show. <laughs> so that would be awesome. And I just want to thank everybody who's done it. I want to thank all of my patrons who sign up and listen to this show every month. I'm so appreciative. And when I say that, I, I think I might be a little misleading. Just my patrons who have signed up to to get the shows delivered in the email boxes. I do say on the Kimberly's after party that I got almost no sleep last night. So that's why I'm kind of like jumping all over my own words. But I think I was okay during the interview. <laughs> anyway, please enjoy my conversation with Drexel Hurd. Welcome to the show, Drexel. Thanks for having me, Kimberly. How are you? Well, I'm I'm doing okay considering we're living in some freaky times right now and <laughs> just trying to hold on every day. It's just too much for me. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, you know, I, I I was I always tell people like, uh, you know, everybody breathed a sigh of relief. Yeah. Um, you know, but but as we go back into these lockdowns, it's it's going to be a little bit uh, more stressful for people. But you know. There's so much uh, that came out, you know, Oprah and, and mm -hmm. Barack Obama did a mm -hmm. whole thing on Netflix yesterday. I yeah. watched the whole thing. And and uh, so, yeah, it gives people something to do, at least for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get into it, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and some of your accomplishments so they've got a backstory? Oh, that's a good question. I don't <laughs> know. You know, you know, when people are like, oh, well, talk about your accomplishments. I'm like, in whose eyes? <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, well, what so, have so you I'll, done? I'll kind of talk a little bit about, I'll kind of talk a little bit about my background. Okay. Um, you know, so I'm a mil I'm a military kid who, you know, moved all over the country. Uh, you know, I went to high school in Japan, moved back to North Carolina, my senior year of high school, uh, went to college in North Carolina, went to North Carolina state, go Wolfpack. And, uh, and, you know, and then wanted to be an actor. Wow. Because I grew up in the theater. Mm -hmm. and my mom threw me in theater camp at like 10. Hmm. Um, and so, but so, so fast forward, you know, years later, I always say politics and theater go hand in hand. Yeah. And so, <laughs> <They do. laughs> um, so it kind of worked itself out. You know, I did like regional theater. I did like, you know, some things in New York and stuff like that. But yeah. Wow. And then, um, I, you know, you've got a pretty impressive resume. Um, you, and I'm looking through it here. I know you represent the 39th California assembly district as the youngest black executive board member and delegate, uh, to the California democratic primary. And you're the first black community vice president for Stonewall Democrats, Los Angeles. I mean, that's just a small teeny little portion of your enormous bio that goes on for days. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, 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 and so like, with, with with that, but I also came from the private sector too, right? Mm -hmm. like I, I was working for Mesa, I was working for Universal. The politics route kind of got thrown into, I mean, I, you know, I started out in politics, like you just said, like, you know, with Stonewall and mm -hmm. the state party. Um, but at the same time, I was still working like everybody else. And I think that that is something that people forget is that, you know, while we're, while, while people are representing their areas, their constituents and stuff like that, at the end of the day, they're actually still real people with real jobs, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? So when, when I was, when I was doing, when I first got elected to the 39th, um, I was working at universal. I was do, I was, uh, on the project team for Harry Potter oh, bringing really? that yeah. in. Interesting. And, and so, you know, I was there from day one when they put those stakes into the ground at universal studios, Hollywood to try to work on that. And, and, and I was there through the end. Uh, and then I was there probably a year later and then I left, hmm. uh, after it opened. So, 
you know, so like, I think that, you know, when we talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but you know, when you start to celebritize people mm-hmm. and you, especially in politics, mm-hmm. you forget that they're, that they're actually real people right. with real jobs and real lives and, and they like to do things. And, <laughs> and so that's why, you know, it's always hard for me to, like you said, in the first question, like to talk about accomplishments, because I'm like, I'm just doing the same thing that everybody else is doing, um, <laughs> on, on a certain level. And I appreciate the, you know, the, um, and, and certainly grateful for the opportunities that I've had, especially being a, a black male in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, lightning in a bottle, like skyrocketing as yeah. fast as it's been. Wow. Um, but at the same time, it's also I'm also very, very I'm from the East Coast. I'm from the South. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very mindful of the fact that, you know, my job is to still do what I have to do every day for my family, my Mm -hmm. husband, my dog, my fish who look at me every day. Like, are you going to feed me (laughs) today? Um, Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I saw you on an interview. I think it was like on YouTube or something. And you were talking about young people and millennials voting. And I wrote a book called American woman, the pole dance. And basically that book was for my younger self. I'm going to be 53 this year. So I think I wrote this book in 20, I don't even remember, uh, 2014, 2013. And I wanted to make it just more of a, like it, it includes, of course, there's like historical facts about women who have accomplished all kinds of things and wanted to point out even, even some of the Republican women, just because I think as a Democrat, we get stuck in our own little bubble of only wanting mm-hmm. to you know, praise the Democratic women who have come up and who have made a difference. But there are Republican women, too. So I included that. And then I included stories about myself as an actor. Or I'm sorry, as an activist, which I have been an actor, too. <laughs> but um, <laughs> as, as an actor, ah, see, as an activist. And because um, there are so many similarities, right? <laughs> and and, I, and I wanted to I just <laughs> I wanted to make it interesting to my younger self when I wasn't paying attention to voting. And so this this video that I saw of you talking about it piqued my interest because I feel like if we can, I think what the Democrats have not done, and it's not only the Democrats, because I think in terms of like when I was a kid, I used to watch Schoolhouse Rock and, you know, I'm just a bill here on Capitol Hill and it explained how bill yep. becomes a law and just little things like that. And I, and so that wasn't, I don't know who, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I don't know who made those, but I do think there is an opportunity within the democratic party, especially right now in our, you know, virtual world that we, you know, I have this idea that I wish someone would do where you would take celebrities and match them with children, put them together with children. It could be an online thing. It could be a a Saturday morning thing. I don't know, but you could have the child explain parts of government to the, to the adult. And so that would kind of be like, or, or like you could have, I don't know how it would work, but somehow it would be, you know, a kid, an adult, somebody popular and that you draw in audiences because I think a lot of us don't understand how government works. I think a lot of us have gotten an education because Trump has been president and we've learned because he's been so terrible. We've learned more about government. But um, so I wanted to ask you about that. And like, how do you think we can get Barack Obama had figured it out, but how do you think that we can keep young people engaged? Uh, that's a good question. I think that, uh, you know, it's funny you say to talk about Schoolhouse Rock was I'm pretty sure I watched that because, you know, it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I was watching <laughs> I'm that 
particular I'm just a bill portion yeah. maybe like two or three months ago because I hadn't seen it in years. Uh-huh. And I and I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, maybe ABC should just like bring back yeah. Schoolhouse Rock for a little while. Yeah. But then through the election, at least especially uh, in the couple of weeks leading up to the election and then that whole week of certification of results. Uh, or as, as, as the results are coming in, um, I'm pretty sure, like you said, a, everybody got a, a crash course in, uh, <laughs> in uh, political science 101 uh, that, that week. Uh, everybody pretty, pretty much is going to get a certificate in the mail soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but um, I, I, think it, I think it really starts with reminding young people, especially um, through this election, uh, because – uh, the it, it the amount of young people that voted tripled mm-hmm. from the last election. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we have always said, and certainly what I've always stressed is when you vote, you win. Mm-hmm. When you vote, things happen. Here in L.A. County, we've got, you know, we just elected one of the youngest um, um, members, um, uh, one of the youngest electeds here in L.A. County. His name is Sebastian Caceres. He's on one of the school boards. And he's like, 1718. And, and, um, you know, he ran. Um, and so I think, I think that's part of the, the, the one thing is that, you know, young people have to realize that your voice is more than your Twitter. Yeah. Right. And you've got to get off Twitter and you've got to get (laughs) off Instagram and you've got to stop chasing the likes because likes don't turn into action and Mm -hmm. likes don't turn into votes. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if people realize that they're, voice is just as powerful on the outside where you're actually trying to help people mm-hmm. as opposed to um as opposed to you know your own internal need for instant gratification uh then 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 change does happen yeah. the other part of that is convincing people that they have to run mm-hmm. i will always advocate for a young millennial and certainly it doesn't even matter i say millennial but i mean it, i really include like you know a wide range of you know Gen mm-hmm. Zers and everybody right, in that yeah. um, of saying find the time that works for you then run for office mm-hmm. yes you know and and don't run for office because you think again just like I said that it's going to be that you're substituting don't substitute in, the likes that you want on Instagram for the votes <laughs> that you want on the outside yeah that that's good advice and you know I think it's also important to educate young people in a way that makes them feel that politics is personal. One of the, I always go back to myself because when I was younger, I was, I voted, my mother was political. And so basically I would just vote the way she voted because I trusted her opinion. And, you know, as I got older and really I started becoming engaged and it was a slow progression, but I really started becoming engaged because of the 2000 election and, and the hanging Chad fiasco. I wasn't like Mm -hmm. a full blown political junkie at that point, but I was starting to, you know, tune into Rachel and, and, and watch some of the, and I got into Bill Maher, John Stewart, John Stewart. (laughs) That's another thing is humor can bring people in. But I think, you know, and I say, I've said this so many times before, but if I had understood 
at let's say 23, 24 years old when I was not paying attention and all I cared about was the guys that I was chasing after or what party was happening on Saturday night or what pretty outfit mm-hmm. I could, all the stupid frivolous stuff that you don't, you know, that's not important when you're young, but is so important to you at that time. If I would have, th- if I would have fully understood that the Supreme Court made decisions based on my life and I, you know, let's just pick something that would, you know, whether it's Roe v. Wade or whatever it is, um, whatever court decision, whatever issue, you know, gay marriage, uh, whatever it is that affects you, then that needs to be pointed out to young people and say the, the president nominates the justices and then the Senate votes on it. That would be such a key for me because that would make me want to vote in the midterms. It would make me, you know, Kimberly, there are midterms and those senators vote on people who will make decisions about your choices in life. And so if I would have understood that earlier, I, I think I might have been more motivated to vote. And, right. and you know, yeah. and, and I just I would love to see more of the selling of here's how Democrats can affect your life. And, you know, here's how Republicans have affected your life. Here's how Democrats have affected your life. And and name the things that they've done uh, in order to educate. But also, you know, it seems that so many of us are motivated by that personal situation mm-hmm. that really hits home to if, us. If, if Democrats sold accomplishments... Yes. Um, uh, the same way that Republicans <laughs> sell bullshit. <laughs> yes, exactly. We would be oh my okay. God. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I mean, you, we laugh, but I mean, ever. I mean, you know, in, in interviews, I usually ask, especially when I'm on with another Republican. I, I say, uh, uh, not not like a fellow Republican, but just a right. Republican. Um, where <laughs> I say, what what legislatively have you guys actually accomplished? Yeah. When you're in power. Like point to me mm-hmm. a legislative achievement yeah. um, that has actually helped the American people, and they—it's hard for them to come up with mm-hmm. with with that because they have it. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, historically, uh, Democrats not only have pulled uh, Americans uh, uh, out of a, de- a great depression, we've pulled Americans mm-hmm. out of, mm-hmm. uh, of recessions. Uh, every time Republicans have tanked the economy, because that's where it starts, mm-hmm. Republicans tank the economy because of their philosophy on taxes and cutting taxes and then cutting taxes at the top. Um, and, and then um, uh, and then at the same time, um, Democrats just being like, well, we've got this lined up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've done right. healthcare. We've done this. We've, yeah. you know, um, I, I think I think that you know once you lay all the cards out on the table, mm-hmm. it's hard for Republicans to um, to argue that they're the party of the people. Kevin <laughs> exactly. McCarthy, who is the GOP House <laughs> oh, God, Minority yeah. Leader, said yesterday, um, "Well, you know, Republicans are the party of the people." Well, I, I would always challenge, you know, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy's a, 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 a here in LA County. Uh, and just to remind him that um, that he has zero wins under his belt other than being an obstructionist. Right. Um, and, and, and the other part of that is, um, you know, uh, if you remember, Democrats were never known as the party of national security. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yet we have that Barack Obama kind of stole that from them. And I think that pissed them off a little bit. <laughs> um uh, you know, because he became that president mm-hmm. who still kind of, you know, re- whether or not you agree with him or not, uh, or certainly the strategy, you know, still went out there and 
killed Osama bin Laden or had Osama bin Laden yeah. taken out, you know, dropped drones on on areas that he may or may not sh- should have. But that's a completely separate argument, you know, but also kept the country safe at a time where terrorist attacks were on the rise mm-hmm. or at least terrorist, um, yeah. um, you know, plots were happening. Um, uh, you know, I think I said at the beginning, there was a whole thing and, you know, Promised Land come, came out yesterday, Barack Obama's book. And, uh, you know, in, in, in the conversation he had with Oprah, he talked about how there were terrorist plots happening uh, on, on the day of his first inauguration. Wow. And that he had to figure out um, they, that he in his coat pocket, he had instructions to, oh to tell God. people how to evacuate the mall. If wow. Something happened. Oh, my God. So, so, so like those are the things that that you that we remember mm-hmm. that, yeah, there really wasn't a terrorist attack. Uh, on American soil from a foreign adversary mm-hmm. in the time that Barack Obama was president. Um, um, there were more domestic terrorist attacks, mm-hmm. uh, Sandy Hook and, and, yeah. and the like, um, than there were since then. Um, so I, I think that as people start to realize what Democrats have accomplished and the more the Democrats can sell it, we're not very good sellers of ourselves. No, we're not. Uh, point, in case, I can, point in case I can barely talk about myself at the beginning of this <laughs> But, um, but, um, (laughs) but, but like, you know, that's kind of where it is. And, and so, yeah, you're right. We do have to sell, um, we have to sell our policies, which Mm -hmm. are the most popular, uh, like, um, like we do anything else. And, uh, so hopefully we'll get to that. I I hope so. I hope so. And, um, what was I just thinking? I was just thinking something and I'm, and I'm, it's going out of my mind, but, um, oh, I know. I believe that, and I don't know how this would happen. It would have to, you know, I don't know how this legislation would pass, but maybe Elizabeth Warren could do something. <laughs> but I feel like we should mandate civics. Like, you, like mandate, if you want to graduate high school, you have to pass civics. And it's not, it's, I never had civics. I grew up in Southern California and I never, I'm not saying that, there was no civics classes ever taking place in California. I just never, and I went to a variety of schools. I went to a variety of high schools. I never had a civics class. I had history. And at some point in my younger years, I know at least I I've, I've lived in Maryland and I've lived in California. And then briefly I lived in Russia. And when I lived in Russia, we had a political science class, which was keeping us informed of the current events that were happening at that time. But, and that was back in like 1980, 81. Um, but I didn't have it in the public schools that I went to in, in, in Southern California. And so I feel like we should have it should be mandated that you pass it. And it sh- it's not with like a multiple question or multiple choice test. Like you got to explain stuff. People need to understand <laughs> how government works, because I think that when that happens, it's so much easier. I, w- what worries me is that, you know, OK, and this is I want to talk to you about this election and the fact that, OK, Democrats won and we did a pretty freaking good job. We flipped five states and we had some trouble in the Senate. But I think I think that as I, I want to give so much credit to Stacey Abrams. I want to give so much credit to everybody who motivated, whether it was young people, black people, women, whoever, uh, to get out there and vote. But I, I have to say that I think one of the strongest motivators was Donald Trump himself. Because ever since, yeah, ever since 2017, Democrats have been doing fan-fucking-tastic in elections. In fact... Uh, the Equal Rights Amendment that had been stalled for like 30 years got the 
three and final last states they needed to to be ratified into the Constitution. Of course, now we have to deal with the stupid lawsuits that's going on with it. But that aside, Trump was a motivator in getting people to the polls. I mean, I think we I think part of the reason we're having problems with the Senate is because we saw a lot of Republicans voting for Biden as president and then voting red on the down ballot choices. So what do you think about the DNC and the RNC and, you know, how we can how we can you know, I I certainly do not want to like I said discount the good and the real activism and grassroots efforts to get people to the polls and registering to the vote that was absolutely vital and so core but again i think the main i think one of the main drivers and main motivations was fear right we're afraid of trump and we want to get him out so what can we do what can the dnc do because we've got to deal with that crazy ass rnc what can the dnc do to keep people motivated even when the candidates are not either scaring you or, you know, you can have a Joe Biden. I, I think Joe Biden is, in my opinion now, because he, like everybody else, he wasn't my first choice. But um, I do look at him and think, wow, he really is that person for this moment. I, 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 I was for Elizabeth Warren. I don't know if she could have been elected. I think all these things fell into place and Joe Biden just happened to be the person that was able to to get you know, the Republicans to feel comfortable and all this stuff. But what can the Democrats do moving forward to keep that momentum? And um, what can the DNC specifically do? Um, That's a good question. I, um, you know, I I think it goes back to um, just a couple of fundamental things, right? Which is, first, the DNC is made up of a bunch of elected members, um, not only elected representatives, but... Um, everyday people who are DNC members in their states. Mm -hmm. And so they're their own body. So Mm -hmm. when we talk about what can the DNC as an, because DNC is a private organization. Mm -hmm. They don't answer to, they don't answer to the people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, and then, well, let me rephrase that. They answer to Democrats. Right. um, But the answer to Democrats in the sense that the body is made up of elected leaders, you know, Mm -hmm. then down the line. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of putting people forth uh, who look like America. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that Tom Perez, not that Tom Perez didn't, obviously, because uh, Latinos are going to be uh, the majority in, yeah. in in this uh, in this country very soon. Um, you know, we're now people are looking at Jamie Harrison to mm-hmm. be the next DNC um, chair, um, but also it is about fanning out, you know, members across the country to. Like we said, talk about those accomplishments and talk because because like you just said, the motivator mm-hmm. was getting Donald Trump out. The mm-hmm. motivator yeah. wasn't um, the policies mm-hmm. that were being talked about. Right. You know, the, at the end there, you saw Democrats pivot to this election is about the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't this election is about the Affordable Care Act, how we can expand it, possibly get to an area where everybody feels comfortable, whether or not you're for Medicare for all or public, whatever that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. It wasn't tied into this is this is where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, if we get elected, here is the problem and here is our solution. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, right. and, and so and so we've got to get surrogates out there mm-hmm. more whether or not it's more town halls, like you've got to change the 
Um, the, the way that we do, the way that we communicate with the American people has to be a team effort. Yeah. If you remember when Joe Biden became the presumptive nominee, every, <laughs> excuse me, every Democratic candidate, basically, other than Tulsi Gabbard, <laughs> yeah. um, but we don't talk about her. Um, <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically coalesced around Joe Biden fairly quickly mm-hmm. within within the, within the first few days. Yeah. And that was the first time we had probably seen something like that happen. And then after that, they were on the tr- they were on the virtual mm-hmm. trail for him. You know, yeah. Pete was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth was everywhere. Bernie was everywhere. Barack came out. All this, yeah. thing, you know, blah, 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 blah. Everybody was out. And it became this team effort. Yeah. And if we did that more often, often yes. where yes. it became, where it's not just where Republicans can vilify Nancy Pelosi or Republicans can vilify Senator Harris and Republicans can vilify, you know, Michigan's governor. Um, you know, of course, the the string of all of those are Republicans like to vilify women, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially Democratic women. Yes. Um, and and so we but we if if we start to throw people out there, and we send them to states, and we remind people every time for the next few months, mm-hmm. up until the next election, the next election mm-hmm. that we're out there, we're listening. Yeah. If if because because you, if you remember like you remember when Hillary Clinton was running mm-hmm. uh, her first term for Senate, and she did that entire listening tour of of New of New York, which she like. Those you know those type of things are historically happened like whistle top stop tours and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to do that yeah. year round. Yes, I totally agree. And reminding people and- that there are, are elections every single year. People, I mean, people, most people just vote in the general, and they don't even consider. I mean, this time they did it in 2018. They voted in the midterms, but you know, we had a embarrassing turnout in 2010 and in 2014 right we've got to remind people hey there are elections every year and it is and it's not just but it's not just and and i and i and i want to stress it's not just the congressional elections that are important and they are yeah um there are local elections that 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 are more impactful to people's everyday life lives than just the midterm elections like if you look at the cal- i have it sitting on my desk it's sitting right in front of me the calendar of elections for the 2022 midterms it is eight pages long wow. in la county <laughs> oh, wow and so th- that just shows you how many different elections you know and they and i'm not even talking about like hey it's congressional district this this yeah. this because they're consolidated um, on a page um, it's like eight pages of different elections. Wow. And so, you know, and so, and that's just LA County. So, and we're the largest, we got 10 million people. We got 3 million Democrats. Like there's a lot going on, Yeah. but if we're not out there saying, Hey, you know, if, if, if our, if our, if our celebritized leaders, the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is mm-hmm. the, the squad, you know, mm-hmm. the Bernie's, the, 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 the Hillary's, the Barack's, the, the Lauren Underwood's, yeah. everybody out there, if everybody's not out there doing and, and showing up in people's communities across the country, um, then then we're not going to be able to sell what we need to sell. Yeah. And um, so I think that's probably going to hope for, and I, if I was DNC chair, mm-hmm. which I am not, nor am I looking <laughs> at it. Uh, that is a strategy that I would probably uh, deploy out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, I think one thing that I think is definitely positive is the fact that Donald Trump did motivate people. We're going to remember and I hope that people take this these last four years as a cautionary tale, as a threat of, 
you know, what could happen in the future because God forbid we get a smart Trump in there. Um, Democrats have a lot of work ahead of us to keep people interested and engaged. And, you know, I'm looking at his behavior right now and there are people out there who feel because of these ridiculous, baseless fraud lawsuits that he keeps trying to get recounts and all this stuff. Um, people think democracy is right now hanging by a thread. I think that I do think they are trying to overturn this, the results of the election. I do think that they are trying to take over. It's not a military coup, but I do think that there's this like Bill Maher forever has been saying it's the slow moving coup. And it's the Republicans that are just basically trying to take over the government with, you know, fat fascism, autocracy, oligarchy, all of it. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm just wondering, I don't think we're, we're hanging by a thread. Thankfully, the courts are voting against the stupidity of <laughs> Giuliani and his bullshit arguments that he can't even really come up with when he's asked, is there fraud? Oh, well, no. And he, he's just talking about weird ass conspiracies. So I don't see democracy as hanging by a thread at this point, but I still feel like we are not concrete, solid and we feel comfortable. So what do you think as far as moving forward after Biden is inaugurated and now we've got all this work to do, how can like, how are we going to deal with these Trump supporters who make up a huge part of the population? I don't, I don't believe they should be ignored. I don't think Trump should be ignored because he's got power, but we've got white supremacy issues. We've got all this um, anger and hatred and it's not going to go away and like, do you think legislation is the best way to deal with it? Do you think it's it's just overall messaging? Like, how are we going to clean this shit up? Well, I think it's a combination of a both uh, of, a, of a lot of that, right? So, you know, seventy nine million people <clears throat> uh, voted for Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. He's got fifty one percent of the vote right now. Yeah, uh, which is unheard of. And Republicans will always be in the minority because they will always um, they'll they'll they're going to be out registered and they yeah. know that. So right now they're just trying to cling on to whatever little power they have left, uh, and that's unfortunate because, like I said, Kevin McCarthy likes to go out there and say that Republicans are for the people, um, which is not the case. Yeah. And so uh, you know I think if you remember in 2018 when Democrats took the House over, the first act that they passed was HR one, which was an ethics package. Mm -hmm. And um, so if if, if and when we win those two Senate seats in Georgia, mm -hmm. um, even if we win one, we'll be, we'll be fine. <laughs> why do you, <laughs> wait, why do you say that? Why do you say that? Because then Kamala can break the tie. I thought, we um, had, I thought we had to win both for Kamala to break the tie. Uh, well, I, I got I to gotta take a look at it. We, we had 49, 50, and then it'd be, because 49 was Alaska. Right. Was that win in Alaska, and forty eight was 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 Tom Tillis in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, and then, then if if then that leaves the two Senate seats, so that's fifty. Okay. Oh, okay. So we we do only need I one. I think. Okay. I think we only need one, but I mean, somebody could correct. It. I I would have to look at the map, but um, but if that's the case, then Kamala would just break that tie. Right. Yeah. Because we haven't had a split. I don't remember the last time we had a split Senate like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, so, so then, so hypothetically, if we, if we, if we become the majority in the Senate, we can pass a, a, an, a, an extraordinary 
ethics package yeah. um, that would tighten the reins on on some of the uh, what the Republicans um, had been trying to do. Um, I think that to your point, it is going to be a messaging thing to remind um, uh, the Trump voters out there that um, that they're that we're there to assist them where they can. You, you never hear a Democrat <laughs> yeah. going out there talking about how they're not going to work on behalf of, yeah. you know, we're not, you, you never hear a Democrat going out there being like, we're going to own the Trump supporters. Right. You do exactly. hear that from the other side, yes, you know, you like do. own the libs or whatever right. they think they're doing. Well, clearly 79 billion people thought otherwise. Right. So um, <laughs> we basically own the country now. And, um, <laughs> and that's where we are, you know? So <laughs> I think, so they better buckle up because it's only going to get worse from yeah. Um, it's fi- they have to freaking them. buckle up now. <laughs> Except that when they yeah. buckle up, it's gonna it's all it's gonna be benefiting them as opposed to when we had to do it. It's like he's just Trump is like trashing the Constitution with his big stumpy feet all over the country. He's just ruining everything, and so it's like, ugh. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I think I think I think um, I, I think it is. Look, I, I think that honestly that i think the last this was the last hurrah for republicans they know that and i think a lot of trump supporters speaking frankly are a little you know because obviously a majority of them are white voters Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. white uh, uneducated voters um and i say uneducated not not because they didn't go to college because there's a lot of educated on a lot of educated folks who didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, right. And I think people forget that. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't need to graduate. These, these tech people, they didn't need to go to college, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, um, and so th- that we've got to figure out. Um, th- so that, so my, my point was, is that those voters think that because they're about to be the minority, mm-hmm. that they're going to lose their grasp on life and the other part of that is the country is moving so fast yeah it is in a progressive way and some people are having a hard time keeping up they're having a hard time keeping up because they can't because they they they're being called this or that because they haven't been able to keep up or they don't understand or they're being told that they're stupid or whatever Mm -hmm. and or they're racist or homophobic and and part of that is a the the demographic of where they live they haven't been exposed to a lot of people Mm -hmm. and b they're trying to keep up and then when they aren't moving fast enough because they don't understand they're being called out for it and they're not used to that but mm-hmm. that goes back to the 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 problem with social media is that because everything is moving so fast mm-hmm. people are having a hard time catching up to where they should be um in in terms of you know how we treat other people yeah uh, and people are having a hard time with that right now I'm not sympathizing with them. Right. I'm just saying I understand that that could be an an argument made from their side, which is it's just all moving too fast. Right. And yeah, and I understand what you're saying. And yeah, social media is it's in some ways it's so wonderful. In other ways, you know, my boyfriend always says we're not ready for it yet as a people. We're just not ready for the Internet. (laughs) And, And and I understand that, too, because it seems like. There's so much that so much harm that can come from it, especially when you have people like Mark Zuckerberg in charge of one of the most important websites in the world. That's the whole world is on. But anyway, um, uh, I wanted to ask you about your opinion of this. 
it's not going to be a peaceful transition. I mean, wh- how do you see this playing out there? I know Michael Cohen thought that he said that he thought Trump would go to Mar-a-Lago for Thanksgiving and then never come back. And then there are the people who think <laughs> Trump's going to resign. Well, we could be so lucky. I know. <laughs> and that they, there's some people that think Trump's going to resign and then get Pence to pardon him. Uh, what do you, I mean, and I honestly, I can't, I have no idea what he's going to do. The only thing that I think that he's going to do is damage the country as much as he can before he's out. Yeah. I mean, look what's happening right now. I think, you know, yesterday he fired, you know, the guy, he fired his own appointee that he appointed to protect the election. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then when the election was protected, fired him because it was too protected. (laughs) I mean, that's some, that's some, that's some, that's some, that's some grade A, nonsense right there you know what i mean like it's crazy yeah uh he's not right in the head no he He is is not not right in the head and we know it and um so i i think that you know donald trump's certainly going to be a bull in a china shop going to try to take down as much as he can but ultimately it's only going to hurt and 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 part of it he's doing it because he's trying to keep his base alive for Mm -hmm. this georgia election yeah, yeah, that's, that's and we, it. Got, we yeah. all get it, right? Like right. it's literally, it's literally the a novice, like it, it's like it's like watching an amateur on a play a chess game. Mm-hmm. Like we see every move that you're making, yeah. you idiot. You know, and we <laughs> know what's going on. We're not stupid, especially because everybody passed poli sci one hundred and one in the last <laughs> election. Exactly. Um, and so, and so, I think that. Um, that you know we have got to um we just got to watch him Mm -hmm. and and i i don't i think mike pence i don't think mike pence gives a shit about donald trump Hmm. no i don't know what i mean yeah i mean he he's totally like a second he's just like i'm here along for the ride mike pence two weeks ago said what i'm going on vacation right right (laughs) exactly he's like this is done done <laughs> and I gotta go. Yeah, and, he's just—he's um, just a big piece of white bread. He doesn't want to tarnish his reputation. Yeah, which is already tarnished, but whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, because you know, right. I, I what uh, dignity? What, he's, he's his last four crux. He's trying to hold on to it. Yeah, and I mean, he's just—he was the guy who was giving Trump the loving looks and 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 giving him all the compliments and all. And now he's just like, okay, I'm done with you. So, <laughs> yeah, there. I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what what turns out. And you're totally right. I think Trump is just concerned uh, about the Georgia election and he's just doing everything he can. And then, of course, he's doing nothing about COVID, which uh, is the most scary part of all because it's out of control. And, you know, I mean, I've just recently my mother had hip replacement surgery and unfortunately she she needs the surgery in both hips. So she had it in one and now she's got to wait because I don't know if we're going to go back into phase one in Maryland, but. Mm-hmm. elective surgery you can't get it done so i worry about her because she lives in a home that has three flights of stairs and she's 73 years old and she's got one really bad hip and 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 i feel like you know i mean the fact that she's has to go out and get her own groceries i mean i know she's ordering her groceries and taking every precaution but it covid is out of control right now and i I'm like, what do you, what do you think? I know Biden has like a strategic approach to how he's going to deal with COVID. It's not, I I mean, I don't think he's going to shut the entire country down, but I think he's going to go to spots where it's really, you know, there, there's no room in the hospital or whatever, you know, where it's out of really bad. And maybe he will shut those 
towns or counties down for a period of time. I mean, do you do you see? I mean, we've got the. And I know this is a hard question to answer, so I'm just asking your thoughts on this. But we've got all these people who feel like wearing a mask is some kind of challenge to their liberty. And Donald Trump is helping that attitude along so that when Joe Biden comes in, it's going to be that much harder for the leader of this country to say, hey, we need to wear masks and all of that. I mean, do you think do, do you feel confident, I guess, that Joe Biden will successfully flatten the curve? <laughs> Um, I am confident that the Biden administration will do a better job of handling <laughs> this crisis and being straightforward to the American people. I, I, that's a hard question because yeah. I think that we get into this. Sure. I could say, yeah, I think they're going to do it. Yay. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, but I think the reality is, and I'm pretty much of a realist. I'm not, I'm, I'm like borderline pessimist. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. But, <laughs> I'm the crack of um, doom. <laughs> What's that? I'm the crack of doom, as my mother calls me. You know, but but but, but I'm all, but I think it goes back to like what I said about celebritizing people, which is we put so much expectation on people, and then when they when we overpromise and mm-hmm, underperform, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, people don't respond to that well. Right. And so we've got to get to a place where we can say realistically, I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen day yeah. to day. Yeah. I mean, LA is about to go back into cur- LA is in the middle of a curfew right now. Wow. You know, and, and we were doing well. California was the was the state that people were looking to about how we were going to be doing things. Um, you know, and it's hard being the largest state in the nation. Um, and, and then your cases start to rise, and then things start to happen, right? So I, I, I think it's just like. Am I confident that they're going to be able to distribute once a vaccine comes out? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Am I confident that the vaccine is going to be free when it comes out? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, but, but but is it going to be something that we're going to have to be dealing with every year like the flu? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's not going to be totally eradicated. The hard part for them is going to be how do you lift all of those people uh, and all of those businesses uh, yeah. out of this economic downfall that we've been in uh, and get people back to a, a normal spot. It's going to take months mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah, well. And so I, I think that it's, 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 we keep talking about how to get, keep people um, safe and healthy, uh, but also forgetting that on the other side of safe and healthy is still uh, the fact that people still have no money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People haven't had jobs. People haven't had an opportunity to, the businesses certainly haven't had an opportunity to recover. So what are you going to do? How long is that going to be? Mm-hmm. And, and how long is that going to take to, to, to make those changes? So I, I like I said, it's a hard question to answer because there's right. so much nuance yeah, and I know that people want to hear like, everything's going to be all right. right. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like I get it. And I would love to say that, but like, that's just not, we're just that's like putting a um, that's like putting a, a filter mm-hmm. on on a photo. Yeah. Yeah, and, you're right. Uh, and that's we, we got to stop, yeah. stop putting a filter over the country. I totally agree with you. I mean, I think we always have to be honest. And the truth is, is that we have dealt with this crazy guy for four years. And then when COVID happened, we we heard him on the phone say that he knew it was more dangerous and deadly than the flu. And then he did nothing about it because he didn't want to hurt his reelection campaign. And then unfortunately, the cult members, because it's a cult, just have gotten so ridiculously out of control that there's not an easy there's no easy fix. It's we're going to have to really figure out. I mean, I think that Joe Biden and his administration, if they can, I think they need to figure out a way to successfully regulate the Internet with similar like FCC or 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just making sure that those lies don't get so spread that spread so easily and so quickly. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be a fringe element, but we can't allow those fringe people and provocateurs to have so much influence. And the last thing I just want to say is I know there's a lot of d- conversation, at least online, and then, uh, you know, on other podcasts about not paying att- attention to Trump. I remember in 2012 when I was blogging and I was writing about Ann Coulter, people would say, if you don't pay any attention to her, you know, you have to ignore her. And it's like, no, when the Republican Party ignores Ann Coulter, I can ignore her. Um, but until then, she's got influence and she's got a huge platform and she's got power. So if we ignore her, then we, then we allow what she says to go uncountered and no, you know, there, there's nobody to say, hey, you're wrong. Here's the right answer. So with Trump, though, I feel like I did see an NBC story that once he's no longer president, he's not going to have the same protections on Twitter. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know what Jack's going to do, but let's see. Maybe it would be great if he got kicked off. That would be wonderful. But, I mean, Milo Yiannopoulos was kicked off of Twitter. So was Alex Jones. And you look at what Donald Trump tweets and the, and the lies that he's, he's getting. He's out of control now because his entire Twitter feed is tagged. You know, this is wrong. This is not accurate. This is disputed, whatever they're saying. Um, but, I, but I think that I think we've, just, we've got this really tough journey ahead. And we have, to f- we have to figure out how we are going to deal with the fact that so many people in this country, whether they're educated or not, have fallen victim to this disinformation and propaganda. And I lived in Soviet Russia. I had an opportunity to see what people were like when they lived in a police state. And how easily, like some of them, I, I, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to talk to too many of these Soviets and ask them what they really felt. And I'm sure they wouldn't have told me because I was a 12-year-old American kid. And <laughs> they didn't want to go to jail. But I, I can only imagine, I mean, I just saw it with my own eyes that when when a country becomes like a police state, you don't get to express yourself anymore. And it's just, it's really scary. And even though we have managed to to get out of this particular, you know, with the Trump situation, we've we, we rectified it and we voted and we all showed up and we fixed it, but we haven't fixed the core problem. And I think that mm-hmm. moving forward, it's going to be about figuring out ways like you're talking about how Democrats should behave, how we should focus on regulating the internet so it's a better and more safe place to get your information and you know maybe bringing back the fairness doctrine and making sure that places like Fox News or OAN are are not able to broadcast if they're if they're just lying and it's obvious. I mean there's one thing about there's an opinion, you can have an opinion, but when you're telling lies, you shouldn't be able to have a platform that uh, that is so influential. So, I mean, that's, you know, in closing, I can say that that's, I, I feel like you're a part of the Democratic Party, and I don't know what's coming up, which I'm going to ask you what's coming up for you, but I hope that, you know, you're a young voice, you're clearly intelligent, and, and you know your stuff, you're going to be more influential as you age, and so I'm grateful to have the opportunity to have your ear and give you my ideas, because you never know. <laughs> but that said, um, what... What's, what do you, you know, before we go, tell me what you're planning on doing moving forward. Oh, man, I get that question all often. <laughs> I, I, um, 
you know, next week is Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, what's next for me is I'm going to go to Maggiano's for Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, my husband and I don't actually cook on Thanksgiving. I, I can't be careful, that. though, but, if you're no, going to go to a restaurant. It, please in be all careful. seriousness, I, you know, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. I, you know, right now I'm the executive director of the, you know, the LA Democratic Party, and and uh, and that's a big task in itself because it is the largest in the country. Mm -hmm. um, outside of the the state party and of course the dnc and and uh so you know we're just trying to get our own uh team and our members uh through this pandemic as mm -hmm. best as possible we've got elections coming up and lots of things going a lot of movement in california as you can imagine mm -hmm. with senator harris uh you know being being veep and right, um yeah. and so uh i'm not really looking you know i'm a party person so hmm. that's probably where I'll, where, where I'll stay most of yeah. the time. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I never close a door. And, right. and, and politics is all about, obviously, relationships. Uh, and it's all about, you know, looking at the, you know, my, my brothers, my, my family's all sports people. Mm -hmm. And uh, we watch a lot of football. I watch a lot of college football. And, uh, you know, when you see the, you know, when you're on the football field and you see the hole, uh, you got to take the, take the hole when it opens up. Yeah. And then that's how you get, that's how you get down the field. Right. Mm -hmm. And so every, you know, a good person in politics is always looking at the, at the opening at the open doors and mm -hmm. the open holes. Mm -hmm. uh, and I always tell young people, I said, the window of opportunity opens and shuts so infrequently mm -hmm. that you have to figure out where you're going to land. Mm -hmm. And, and I say that because like, for me, I, I'm not going to do something that I don't think I'm going to be good at. Mm -hmm. And, and or like I know what type of person I am. Mm -hmm. uh, I know how how I communicate. Uh, I'm pretty straightforward. You know, I'm not really glossy. I'm not really like a huggy, huggy, lovey, dovey <laughs> person. Um, and, and sometimes that doesn't translate well to a good if people are like, oh, you should run for office. I'm like that sometimes doesn't translate well to a good politician. Um, yeah. uh, because people do need that person. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so for me, I'm like, if you're a West wing fan, I prefer yes. to kind of be like the Leo McGarry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm more the Leo McGarry and the Josh Lyman than I yeah. am, like, you know, the Jed Bartlett. Right. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, like people like me, but I don't need people to like me. And, and one thing that I, you know, I, I'll end on this is what I've always said is, is, uh, especially recently is I don't want los angeles to run me i'd rather run los angeles awesome that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> well um it's been fascinating talking to you and i'm i'm so glad that you had the time to come on the show why don't you tell everybody where they can find you uh, you can find me at Drexel Heard pretty much on every platform. Okay. Because I'm pretty, I'm that, I'm that basic. Okay. <laughs> and that's so smart. I love that. Uh, I, I will include your Twitter handle and your website in the Patreon description of this show. And you awesome. can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. Also, you can read my books on Amazon under Kimberly A. Johnson. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Drexel, for what you're doing and for your voice and for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, let's win Georgia. Yes, let's do it. All right, take care, and you be safe. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.